We are New Life Community Church in Rogers Park. A community church in the city of Chicago, all over the city, for the good of the city. Right now, we are in the midst of our series, Not Alone. A series that focuses on how God created us to live in friendship and community. Wherever you're listening, I hope you are blessed by this message. Growing up, I myself had some very interesting friends, okay? I'm not really sure if you could call some of them friends. They were the kind of friends that were like your friends when you were with them, but then when you were other people, they didn't really recognize you, right? I was suddenly not their friend anymore. It was hard. I felt alone for a lot of my first years in school. I became the easy target for bullying, like many of you have experienced, or maybe you were the bully. Uh, not shaming you. But we, we all go through this process, and it's all changed for me when my parents moved me to a new school when I was in sixth grade, and I met this guy right here. There's me looking awesome. Uh, that's my brother, by the way. There's Joe. You might know him from somewhere. Uh, and this guy, Nick, okay? This was at my bachelor party before, when, right before I got married, but this guy, Nick, I met him in sixth grade, and uh, he had a very similar story as me. He had been bullied, picked on for most of his early days, and then he had also been moved to this school. And the great thing about this school was it was brand new. Everyone at this school, it was their first time. Everyone was new. Don't you wish that was the experience whenever you go somewhere, right? Like, you know everybody's new. There's no clicks. It was great. This guy became my friend. I started hanging out with him for the first time. I started to feel like I had a real friend. And this really came to really mean something to me. I remember one time, I was like seventh grade, out in the parking lot, like waiting to get picked up. And this was when the craze of yo-yos was in style. Anybody remember that? I know. What is a yo-yo? Okay, it's a thing where like on the string, right? Okay, I was obsessed with yo-yos. I had this thing called the X-Brain Wing something, something like that. Sounds like a Star Wars thing. It was this crazy yo-yo. I was like so proud of this. I would like oil it every day. And I remember out in this parking lot and my this other kid was like, hey, like you got to tighten that more. And he just like cranks it and rips my yo-yo in half, okay? And I'm just like, ah! <laughs> like my life was over. The next day, the next day, Nick, my friend, shows up at school with a brand new yo-yo for me. I didn't even ask him. I, I, I was actually very confused by this. I didn't even know how. I didn't have the, anything to compare to this. A genuine friend who had thought of me. And that friend stuck by my side throughout the rest of school. We actually lived together outside of school and college, everything. Uh, still my friend today. Um, and so this morning, I want to talk about friendship. I want to talk about friendship. We're starting a brand new series. And every Sunday we talk about something that's relevant to the Christian faith. And we, we always find its relevance in this book, the Bible. I love what Anna said, right? She's finding like more motivation to read from this. I'm like, wow, that's awesome, right? If we, we try to talk about things that find their relevance in the Bible. And this morning is no different. This new series we're, to, we're, we're starting is called Not Alone. Not Alone. You see, we spend a lot of time 
as the church talking about so many different aspects of the Christian faith. We talk about evangelism, we talk about Jesus' life, we talk about fear, identity, morality, even money. But how often have you heard someone at church on Sunday talk about friendship? Talk about friendship. I feel like that's something we do not talk about very often. It seems like a strange topic, even as I mention it. And like, hmm, should I skip this series? I don't know. Like, is there actually something in the Bible about friendship? Yes, there actually is. Wait, so you're telling me there is something to say about having friends in your life? Uh-huh. Wait, wait. There's something in the Bible that, that, that talks about what that's supposed to look like. Yup. Okay, I know it sounds kind of weird because we never, ever talk about it. We never talk about it. And beyond that, you know, the reality is your friendships impact your life so many ways. Friends are the ones that are there for you or not there for you, depending on the type of friend you have, when the world falls apart. Friends are the ones who shape so much of the way you see life for good and for bad. Friendship is something that all of us desperately crave, a deep, true friend, whether we like it or not. Over the last few years, researchers have noticed a downward trend in the amount of friendships that we have, that people have. Specifically, they've been doing studies in the U.S., and they've found that the average American has gone from 3.2 friends to just 1.8 friends. So, translation, we've pretty much put it cut in half the amount of friends that we actually have in our life. And I think they were saying, if I remember right, just in the last like three years. I wonder if that ties into anything in the last three years. I don't know. Around 40% of Americans say they have no one that they can talk to openly. 40%. And maybe you're sitting here and thinking, I don't really care about all this. A, I've got my friends and I'm good. Or B, I don't got no friends. I don't need no friends. I got my Bible and my YouTube. I'm good, okay? Like, I want to tell you this series is going to be so important for you because no matter where you sit, many of us don't even know how to be a good friend. And the rest of us are actually not so good with just being the lone ranger that rides out into the sunset, right? You're going to see what I mean. So we're going to look at what the Bible has to say on friendship over the next four weeks. Over the next four weeks. And we're going to want to see what the biblical pattern is for friendship and how we were meant to walk in it. And this morning, I want to take a step back and start with the foundation. The foundation, I want to talk about the necessity of friendship for all you doubters, right? I want to talk about friendship actually means and why you need it even more than you think. Even more than you think. So go ahead, if you have this with you, you got a printed Bible, you got a digital Bible, you have a handwritten Bible. I want to see that thing myself. Uh, I want you to turn to Genesis chapter 1, because if, actually, if you did start writing out by hand, that's probably the only chapter you have written down, okay? Go ahead and turn there, Genesis chapter 1. I want you to look with me at the very beginning of the Bible. Genesis is the very beginning. And this is the part in the Bible where we first meet this being called God. This being who has always existed and now has decided to do the unimaginable. Unimaginable. He creates. Look at this very first verse. 
In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. This is the very beginning of what we know. There's, there was so much before this sentence because God was in existence before he created. You know what I'm saying? We don't have anything about that, but we do know that at the very beginning of what we call earth, there was God and this God creates. And everything that we know now, he created it by speaking. Look at, he creates the sky, he creates the land, he creates the stars, he creates the seas, he creates the billions of universes, he creates the birds, he creates the animals, he creates the fish. And then look at verse 26. Skip down to verse 26. This says, then God said, let us make mankind in our image in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky, over the livestock and all the wild animals, and over all the creatures that move along the ground. And here we see the peak of God's creative powers. He doesn't just create a thing anymore. He creates something that is very similar to him, that is like him, that is in his image. And this doesn't mean that we all look like God. Like if you got a picture of God and put a picture of us next to it, you wouldn't say, oh, I see the resemblance very close. No, no. The image that we resemble is much deeper, much deeper, right? We resemble his nature, his inherent features. We resemble God in a way that no other creation does. We were created with a similarity in heart. A similarity in heart. I know this is kind of weird and hard to understand, but it's so true and you'll see what I mean. Just stick with me for a second. There's something else I want to draw our attention to in this verse. Something kind of strange. Look what God says. Let us make mankind in our image. All of a sudden, God is talking to himself. Okay? Who's this us? Who's this R? Like that we see in this, was there more than one God at the beginning? Maybe God was alone for so long, they just started to talk to himself. Maybe it's like that whole royalty weird complex thing where they start talking each, about each other in the third person. It's, I don't know, it's something actually completely different, okay? It has everything to do with that nature. That image that we were talking about just a second ago. That, that, that way we were created. God's image himself. You see, there's something that's true about God. Something that's very hard to describe, but in fact is key to who he is, who he has always been. And I believe this truth is a starting point for us to even start to grasp the meaning of friendship. This is the first thing you have to know. First thing you have to know. God has never been alone. God has never been alone. How many of you have ever heard of that Trinity thing? You know, that weird thing we avoid. Like, oh yeah, what, uh, about that. Uh, that's the thing I used to grow up. You're like, in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, right? Uh, <laughs> or you've heard a few sermons from me, and you're like, I'm pretty sure you've talked about this before, so I know something. Okay. I, I, I've talked about this because it's so important. This really is following me here. Don't just tune this out. I don't care if you've heard this a thousand times. You've got to let this sink in this morning. Our God has always, as in always, forever, he's always existed as three persons. Following me? <laughs> Does that mean he's three gods? No, because he's still only one being. 
Three persons, one being, one God. This is one of those super confusing things about our faith. And if you're comfortable with this this morning, that's only because you've heard it said like a bazillion times, okay? And you're like, yeah, that's just how it is, okay? And you're okay with the statement. And since it's so confusing, you just don't want to talk about it. I mean, it's strange. It's like, what if I came up and said, I'm actually three people. Like, there's three of me. You're like, huh, okay, like multiple personalities. Like, no, I'm also still one person, but each of those people are separate people. It's just one being. Okay, you know, it does, we can't even understand. It's hard for us to even comprehend. It doesn't make sense to our brains, and it's not supposed to. There's nothing we can compare this to in our world. It's what the Bible likes to call a mystery a mystery, right? Like, it's like, just don't even try to explain that. That's beyond us. Our brains will break if we don't just accept it by faith. The idea that God has never been alone. And this is why this is so important to us. In the very same verse where we see the Trinity saying, let us make mankind in our image, we see humanity being created. Not only is humanity being created but we are made in the image of the Trinitarian God. The God who has never been alone. We are created in that nature. And get this, this is so important to us. If God was never alone, that doesn't mean that God created us because he was lonely, right? That doesn't mean he, because he needed someone to talk to or because he enjoys watching you scroll through your phone for half of the day, okay? That's not why God needed us. God was already completely fulfilled. God was completely complete. God had the most perfect of relationships that exist. And out of that, I would even say because of that, because of that, he created you and me. He created you and me. Out of the overflow of his amazing relational unity, he creates us in his image. In his image. It's such an important statement. We can't afford to miss this. And that's why we have to start with this understanding of God. Because if this is true, if we were made in the image of God, if we were made in the image of God, then we also have been made in the image of a relational God. We've been designed with this deep, desperate need for connection. Let me show you so clearly what I mean. As I already said, these beginning verses show us the creation story, right? How God created everything that we know now. Look with me at some of these verses that build up to when God creates us. I'm going to go through these quick. Look at And God said, let there be light. And there was light. God saw that the light was good. Okay? Go to the next one. God said, let the water under the sky be gathered to one place and let dry ground appear. And it was so... Uh, God called the dry ground land and the gathered waters he called seas. And God saw that it was good, right? The land produced vegetation, plants bearing seed according to their kinds and trees bearing fruit with seed in it according to their kinds. And God saw that it was good, right? God made two great lights, the greater light to govern the day, the lesser light to govern the night. He also made the stars. God sent them in the vault, set them in the vault of the sky to give light on the earth, to govern the day and the night and to separate light from darkness. And God saw that it was good. I don't even know how many times it was. Four or five, right? So God created the great creatures of the sea and every living thing with which the water teems and that moves about and according to their kinds, every winged bird according to its kind. And God saw that it was good. 
Keep going. God made the wild animals according to their kinds, the livestock according to their kinds, and all the creatures that move along the ground according to their kinds. And God saw that it was good. And finally, God saw all that he had made. And it was very what? Good. Good. Everybody, go ahead and write that in the chat. It was good. Okay? Then God creates a man. The one creation out of everything that he has created that will share his image. He puts this man in the perfect garden. God gives him work to do. It seems like the peak of everything that God has done. Everything is right. God has just done and creating everything. He declares that it's all good. And then look with me at Genesis 2, chapter 2. Just flip one page, verse 18. The Lord said, what? It is not good for the man to be alone. It is not good. What? Where is this coming from? How can God create something that is not good? Okay, did he mess up? Did he lose track of something? I mean, God, this statement isn't even true. Man is not alone. He's got you. Come on, God, don't play yourself like that, right? There appears to be something special that God was saying here. Something that he was doing. Something that God saw that we may never have saw if it was left up to us. We would have said, nah, God, I'm good. You're the greatest. I'm not alone. But God says, you are actually missing something. Something that only I can see that is missing and that is not good. That is not good. You need community beyond me. You need relationships beyond me. You need other humans. And I know this goes against everything you've ever heard in church where it's like, all you need is God, okay? Which is a great thing, right? I totally get that, and that is true. We do need God. But that is not the only thing. God also created us to be in relationship with one another. Don't miss that. This is the first man, and he had only God, and God said that was not good. God seems to have created us so much in his nature that we have this need and this necessity for community beyond just God. Hear me on this. You were designed, created to be in community here on earth. I would even go so far as to say it is not good for you to be alone. It's not good for you to be alone. Hear this, hear this, no matter how smart, independent, creative, introverted, annoying, messy, or weird you are, it is not good for you to be alone. And this isn't some random passage that only applies to the first human being. No, this is a prescription that we need to apply to each of our lives. And I know some of you have heard this passage before, and it's probably been used then to talk about marriage. Like, the only way you cannot be alone is to get married. I mean, like what Anna said, right? Like, you're not considered an adult until you get married. That is actually not what this passage says, okay? This is not what this passage is talking about. Even though after this, we do see the first woman being created. We see the first, the first marriage, right? But that's not the heart of this passage. Get this, get this. The problem was not, it is not good for him to be not married, right? That's not what God said, right? No, 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 no. I, I know that's what you may have thought 
or you may even be wrestling with right now because that's your desire, but even, but even that is, even if that's good, that is not what is happening here. This is some, something else is happening here. Maybe if someone told you that, that's, that's not true. What is the problem? What is the problem? It was not good for him to be alone. Alone. And this is true for you this morning too. The problem in your life is not the fact that you're, whether or not you're married or not. That's not the problem that God sees in your life. Believe me, there are many people who are married and feel more alone than ever. Okay? There are many people who can ride in a train jam-packed with people where they're breathing on you and feel more alone than ever. Proximity to people does not mean you don't feel alone. No, no, no. Having people around you and even being married does not guarantee that you will feel not alone. In actuality, we're experiencing an epidemic of loneliness. I love some of these statistics. I mean, I don't love them, but I feel like they give us an insight into what's happening, right? In 2018, the the Henry J. Kaiser Family Foundation showed that 22% of adults in the U.S. say they often or always feel lonely or socially isolated. And a national 2019 survey led by the health insurance Cigna found that 61% of Americans report feeling lonely. This was getting so bad that in 2017, the U.S. Surgeon General called loneliness a public health epidemic. And, 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 and the U.K. appointed a minister for loneliness the next year, okay? This, what is loneliness? What is loneliness? This is a definition that a psychologist at Harvard came up with that I thought was so good of what explains loneliness. The gap between the social connections you would like to have and those you feel you are actually experiencing. It's the gap between the social connections you would like to have and those you feel you actually experience. And And uh, one of our pastors, was. we were talking through this this week, and he's like, he shared these three questions that I thought was so good on how we actually can process this ourselves. Interpersonally, do I have someone I can talk to? Existentially, how do I fit into the bigger picture of things? Or societally, is my arrival anticipated and welcomed? And many of us, so many of us feel this. We feel alone. Why? Because God created you in a way that it is not good for you to be alone. Are you following with me so far? Yes. 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 So we talked about God was never alone, right? Then he creates us in his image. So it's not good for you to be alone. So what is the answer, right? We as the church, we like to point out the problems but never give an answer, right? Some of you are sitting here, maybe that's just a church thing, it's a human thing, we like just to like point out problems. Some of you here are sitting here, you're screaming at me, hopefully on the inside, and that's what I want so badly, I just want a a friend, right? I want to be connected, I'm tired of this deep disconnectedness, this loneliness, this feeling of being alone, and I want to tell you that God knows, God knows. God knows. Last week, we talked about this amazing moment in history where Jesus came down to earth and died in our place that we could reconnect with God. 
so all the horrible things we've ever done could be forgiven. We could start to walk in unity with God once again, the way we were created to be, the way we were created to be. But you know what happens right after that? What happens right after that? God creates the church. God creates the church. Stay with me, stay with me. You're like, of course you would plug the church, right? The church literally means the gathering of people. That's literally what that means, okay? It doesn't mean a building or a Sunday service. It's literally the gathering of God's people. Now, not just a gathering where you get together and nobody knows you're there, and I know what you're, you know what I'm talking about, where you sneak in at, like, at, after it started, and then you sneak out while the pastor's praying, okay? That is not being a part of the gathering, right? That is not what the church was intended. No, no, no. God creates a group of people united by the fact that they've been saved by His grace and who start doing life together. A group of people who are not alone. Not alone. People who are doing life together. People in relationship. Here's the earliest description we have of this church. This, this is taken out of Acts chapter 2. It's, this, this is describing the church. It says, They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. Keep going. <laughs> All the believers were together and Ian had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day, they continued to be together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. How does this add up to those questions I was talking about earlier where it says, do I have someone I can talk to? To have someone I can talk to that I can let know what's really going on. Look what it says. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. Every day. Right? I know some people are like, Pastor, we cannot give up the gathering, right? I'm like, wow, if we really want to get biblical, let's start gathering every day, okay? Because <laughs> we're like, when we make Sunday services only on Sunday, we're missing actually the root of this connection. This was life that went way beyond two hours on a Sunday morning where you just hear me talk, right? And yell at you and you go away a little convicted or something, right? No, this is like a life where it says they were actually helping each other when they had needs. And then every day they continue to meet together. And I'm not meaning we need to have services every day. I mean, we do life together every day. I'm talking about real relationships. How about this? The other question was like, how do I fit into the bigger picture of things? This existential crisis, like how do I fit into the big picture? It says that they broke bread in their homes and they ate together with glad and sincere hearts. This idea of community that Jesus started. You fit into the bigger picture of the church, of what life is. And this final one, is my arrival anticipated and welcomed? It says the early church was praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Yes, you are anticipating and you are welcomed here. You see, as crazy as it sounds, this is the last thing I want to tell you. The church is a place to not be alone. 
The church is a place to not be alone. I know this has not been the experience for all of us. I know maybe that's been the church's fault where we've acted selfishly. More like a clique than a family. You know, where you've genuinely genuinely tried to find friendship, but it's not been available. You you were not received. And I want to say, I'm sorry. That's not how God intended the church to be. I want to apologize for our failure as a church to be the community that you needed. I want to ask you to give us another chance. I, I, I I want you to try us again. We want to be the place where you can find relationships, friendship, community, or maybe it's been the other way around. You've not wanted to actually find a community. You've been running. You're scared of what will happen if people actually find out who you are. If you actually open up to someone, right? Maybe, maybe you're scared of what the relationships will be like in this thing called the church. And for you, this whole season of social distancing has been awesome, Okay, you can now finally tune in online to service. You don't got to see nobody, right? Like maybe that's you. And I want to tell you, this is not the way God intended you to live. It's not good for you to be alone. You see, the church isn't perfect. But this is a place where we can find community, where we can find friends, where we can do life together. I mean, the Bible has some of the strongest commands regarding how the church should be a place of love and friendship. Check this out. I'm just going to read through these. I don't even have them on the screen, but uh, Anna shared just that awesome passage. I got some, just a little sampling for you. The book of John says, I give you a new command, love one another. Or Romans says, love one another deeply as brothers and sisters. Outdo one another in showing honor. 1 Thessalonians, and may the Lord cause you to increase and overflow with love for one another and for everyone. 1 Peter says, from a pure heart, love one another constantly. Ephesians says, be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving one another, just as God also forgave you in Christ. Philippians says, everyone should look out not only for his own interests, but also for the interests of others. Therefore, encourage one another And build each other up as you are already doing. Galatians, carry one another's burdens. In this way you will fulfill the law of Christ. And another one from Galatians, serve one another through love. I mean, we're pretty much touching every book in the New Testament, right? Philippians again, do nothing out of selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility consider others as more important than yourselves. 1 Peter 4.9 says, be hospitable to one another without complaining. And lastly, Hebrews And let us watch out for one another to provoke love and good works. I mean, who wouldn't want to be a part of a community like this? Right? So maybe you're sitting here, you're feeling this message this morning. I want to invite you to join us, to trust us, to let us get to know you, to love you. And it can start real simple. Leave a comment, send a text, let one of our pastors know you are here. Let us have a conversation with you where we can actually get to know you. 
even just a little bit. Or come to one of our services or our home groups. Right now when the weather's bad, we gather in homes like this. There's several home groups happening throughout Rogers Park. Come and join us and stay a little bit afterwards or come a little early. Talk with people. Like sit there and like awkwardly, right? Like it feels weird. Like who's going to talk to me? I am, I don't want to guarantee this, but I'm like almost 100% sure someone will say hi to you and talk to you. I just know New Life Rogers Park so well. This is something we love to do. As Anna said, coming in those doors and getting a big smile, asking how you're doing, right? Um, Come to our services when we meet in the parking lot. Maybe you've been avoiding it. You're worried about COVID. Don't worry, we're going to be meeting outside. We're all going to have masks on. You can come and not be afraid. We would love to see you there. Maybe it means being connected into a small group of people who spend an hour or two together every week getting to know each other. And right now it's perfect. You can even join in on Zoom, okay? If you haven't gone Zoomed out, it's okay, right? Like here's a good reason to go a little further with Zoom. And if you're comfortable, some of our groups are even doing in person, right? And maybe some of you are searching for that deep friendship, the kind where you can go even deeper. You're like, I just want a good friend. Come on. Like, we're going to talk about that even more over the next couple weeks, okay? The next three weeks, we got some deep stuff on what that means to be in friendship. But I would say, don't put your idea of friendship into a box. That's the one thing I want to tell you. One of the most amazing things about the church is how diverse it is. It's made up of people that were not born where you were, do not have the same culture as you, are not the same generation as you, and don't make the same money as you, right? And the beautiful thing is we want to be friends within all those different connecting points, right? Some of the hardest thing I feel like is when people come to me and they're just like, man, there's no one here like me. I'm like, praise God. We don't need another you, right? We want, you need to get connected with this other person. If you're thinking like, man, I wish there was more singles in this church, or I wish there was more married people in this church, or I wish there was more people from Nigeria in this church, you have it wrong, okay? I can tell you there are people here that you would never expect, but they may become your deepest friends. And I can tell you from experience. Some of the deepest friends I have in this church are decades older or younger than me, right? Like, it doesn't even make sense. I wouldn't hang out with these people otherwise, but they have become the deepest friends where I've been able to share the most honestly and transparently in my life. And they weren't even born, some of them weren't even born in the same country as me. I mean, there's no connecting point except the church. And it's beautiful because they've become the deepest friends in my life. So as I close this morning, I just want to pray for you. I want to pray for you. And if, you, if God's speaking to you this morning, you want to talk more about how to get connected with the church, how to get connected in our community, we want to help you. That's what I love the most. I love talking to people during the week and getting them connected into the community here. So let me just pray for you as we close. Lord Jesus, I thank you for your church that you've started here in New Life Rogers Park. It's one of many Uh, good, good congregational churches here in the north side, God. So many good bodies that you have created here. I pray over anyone listening this morning, anyone that's feeling disconnected, anyone that's been a part of our church for maybe even years, but has felt like they've been disconnected, I pray, God, you would encourage them to take a step forward. Help them 
to come forward and help us as the church to lovingly embrace them. May you make deeper connections than we could even predict or guide on our own, God. May you put the right people in each other's paths. Jesus, may we be a church that loves outwardly. Help us to love the neighborhood of Rogers Park. May we be an example, Jesus, outwards to this community of what it means to have deep relationships. There are people that are struggling so bad, not only because they don't have you, Jesus, but then also because they don't have a real community. I pray, God, that we would be both of those things here in this neighborhood. God, may we show people who you are and may we connect them with a family. We love you, Jesus. Thank you for this time we get this morning. We pray this in your name. You have been listening to New Life Community Church in Rogers Park. If you have been blessed by this message, please let us know. Now go and live a new life.